Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Ziada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. So, hi, and welcome to Change Making Women. I'm Marianne Clements in London, in the UK, and as usual, I'm here with Ziada. Hi, everyone. Uh, hi, guys, and I'm podcasting from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Yeah, and we are. Uh, this evening with us, we have someone in another corner of the world. We have Sophie, and um, maybe Sophie, just um, say hi and you'll tell us your sort of location and your full name and stuff, who yeah. you are briefly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Maria. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. My name's Sophie Macklin, and I'm here on occupied Ohlone territory in California in the city of Oakland. Cool. So you're like another load of thousands of miles away from us. I think about, yeah, yeah about 6,000 miles or something. Yeah. From us. <laughs> but you're <laughs> yeah, a really long way. Cool. <laughs> so we're here to talk about a topic across, across the miles. So I'm just going to say a little bit about it and then, and then we'll get stuck into it because um, this, this, the idea for this particular episode came from me having been thinking a lot about the topic of grieving which might seem like a kind of depressing topic to spend time thinking about Mm. but a few things happened like someone directed me towards a book um that was about grieving and said oh it's a really amazing book and then um I've been aware as well of the work that Sophie's done that we'll talk about in a bit and um, been working with her a bit myself and then um there was also um, some things that happened that we talked about last week on the show in the um, international development community that felt like kind of not so, not grieving in the sense of personal grief, but I felt grief about them in terms of like a collective grief about, you know, some issues, the issues that were coming up around sexual abuse in the sector and kind of, they felt like a grief moment. And then I, so I just thought, let's make a show about grief in the sense of grieving things that happen in our collective cultures that annoy us, upset us, make us feel sad and angry. And I thought, who could talk about this with us? And I, and I thought of Sophie. <laughs> so here we are. Um, because some of Sophie's work is, is, is also around, um, yeah, grieving things that we wish were different in our cultures. So, so yeah. I um I invited Sophie to come chat with us about this slightly morbid sounding topic, which I think I hope has like a a kind of ending which isn't as morbid as it mm. might seem. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome Sophie. Thank you for yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm really grateful to be asked and I'm really excited to be here. And um I think grief is a beautiful topic you know and so I think that there is that association of like morbidness or something and I think it can be like that but it can also be something really beautiful and transformative so I hope we talk about that today that's that's our plan let's try and get there (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and I think it's just one topic that no, no one really talks about it they feel it they go through it 
but you don't actually find people just talking about it, you know, as mm. one of those conversations that pops up. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And we, we like to tackle those kind of topics, don't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here we are. So I thought that we would start, Sophie, by just asking you about the work that you do with, with clients around how grief shows up in, in kind of the wider culture and what that kind of, a bit about what that looks like, because I think people listening might be wondering what that's about. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you. Um, so it comes up in different ways and it feels like such a huge topic in a way that I'm right. wondering where to start. But um, mm-hmm. basically it's like looking at a lot of the things that we want to change in our, you know, I work as a coach kind of basically in the personal development industry, you know, and there's a lot of talk about personal transformation and growth and um, something that I've been really bringing and kind of looking at and working with people on is how we're connected to systems and how things out of our control impact us significantly. Um, and I think that's one of the places where we can feel a lot of grief that we aren't always acknowledging um, like our pain for things that are happening in the world or um, systems of oppression that impact us directly or other people um, and just um, bringing those things in to be kind of acknowledged and healed. So one of the things that um, we haven't mentioned yet is that I work a lot with people around money and their feelings mm. about money. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we often think is a sort of personal problem and we might have feelings about money like not liking it or um feeling anxious about it a lot of scarcity or something and think that it's our problem and then starting to tap into um why we have those feelings you know and and the systems that have developed around money that are built on colonialism exploitation of the earth um suppression of people and bodies and um just really acknowledging how much pain we have about how both how the system has been created, but also like how drastically unfair things are right now Mm. and how most people in the world, you know, don't have access to everything they need. And just that some of the things we think are sort of personal feelings about money are actually us touching into our feelings about um, broader, uh, broader things. And just like making space for that can be really transformative in itself. Yeah. Okay. So that that it, that's that makes a lot of sense to me, and I think um, yeah, it's something that I've really loved in reading your work and the things that that you talk about is like it's so yeah, it's just like it's so so often does feel like you know I don't know how to do this thing, and yet out there there are all these things that are frustrating us and making us feel like the world is not such a fair place. So just mm-hmm. feeling into how sad and angry we actually feel about that is really what we're talking about right um yeah yeah and I and I think that's it there's so much taboo around feeling sad and angry about things Mm. um that it's kind of more comfortable just to think it's like a personal issue we need to kind of get over you know and it's scarier to acknowledge um yeah some of the really deep feelings we have about how our lives are and about how the world is um and just um just how starting to create space for that and giving permission for those feelings to come to the fore like there's often a lot there that's that's just right there under the surface and that can be um yeah holding people back in all sorts of ways and I'm just so 
wanting to create more spaces where people are sharing this with each other so we can sort of acknowledge that shared experience um, of what it's like to be alive right now. Mm. Mm, I was just thinking of another example as well, like just while we were talking there, just to maybe put again another context around it of um, if I think about sort of living as a woman in the world in my lifetime, like um, a lot of things that I thought were my problem about relating to like, do I look right? Am I doing stuff right? Why do I feel so afraid to um, step out and speak my mind or this sort of thing? When I bring it to a place of like looking at how the rest of our culture tends to treat women, Mm -hmm. I can see how actually how sad and angry I feel about how women are treated and it Mm -hmm. isn't just me actually it's everywhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, you know these ways in which which women feel oppressed by our culture and no matter how much I in my life have had opportunities to sort of reject that and kind of overthrow it personally I still feel those pressures and so mm-hmm. sort of tapping into that and realising actually what a big weight that feels like and how, how sad I feel about that, that so many women are growing up with that context of feeling like they don't look right, they shouldn't speak out. That You know, I could list, you know, I, I could go on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like there's a, there's a whole layer of like sadness to tap into that then has helped me access a sense of, okay like you know it's it's not it's not just me being useless Mm -hmm. yeah something bigger here and I've sort of always known there is on an intellectual level but there's something about dropping into the feeling of it the Mm -hmm. sadness about it that helps me to access then like okay I want to do something about these things in constructive yeah Yeah, totally. And actually, I think that's touching on something really important is that when we can really feel things fully and kind of grieve them and some of those things um, that, you know, you will have been raised in a fucked up patriarchal culture, um, whatever happens next, you know, that is going to be true, you know, and there are things that we have been raised in this. And I think that we can grieve what's happened already. Um, And I think from what you're saying, that kind of acknowledging that it's not just that you... Um, have these sort of personal failings or something, but it's this system and tapping into your grief for that, I think it generates compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're able to find that compassion for yourself because it's like, wow, actually this has been really hard, you know, to to be doing this and like, this is how I've dealt with this. Um, and then also looking around at the world and just like having so much compassion for everyone who's who's struggling in this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that through that being really present with our pain around it, it generates that kind of authentic compassion that we can then take action that is um, like in solidarity with people and really, uh, really clear. Yeah. Sometimes when someone is going, you know, is going through the grief, um, would you talk to us like the process of, you know, griefing, especially when you're probably, you know, talking to your clients and, you know, taking them through that process for the benefit of our listeners as well. How would you describe the process? Yeah, totally. Thanks for that question. Because I think that that's true that sometimes I think we're scared to go into grief because it feels like it's just going to be this abyss, you know, like it's never going to end. Mm. And it's safer and easier to keep 
stuff at a bit of a distance, even if it's like the kind of grief that we're used to of like someone close to us dying or leaving or something um, that we're scared to feel it fully because it feels like it's never going to end. And I think um, part of that is like as a culture, we're not trained to to be with grief well, or at least like in England and America, the cultures that I've lived in and are familiar with, like, um, and something that I think is important is like, and so, yeah, so when I'm working with people and like going through that process, it feels like I have, you know, I have some tools and understandings and things that can support that, but really it feels like we're all kind of infants in this process and that we're learning about grief right now together. And I think the way that we do that and the way that I do that, you know, is to keep doing it together, you know, to not be alone with it. And I think through realizing it's normal, you know, through talking to other people who say, yes, I feel this too. And through being seen of like, yeah, you're not crazy. Yeah, this makes sense. Um, we can start to kind of have those external reference points for these intense feelings we're having and start to see them as normal and start to see them as not something just to completely um, deal with as quickly as possible and move through, but something that's going to come up in our lives again and again when things happen. Um, and that is actually a process that is, that can be intimacy building, you know, with other people. And also like we just talked about with you, Marianne, about sort of that building compassion or just um, a lot of the, more sort of positive emotions that we like to feel or something that can actually be generated from really being with some of our pain together too. And I think that togetherness is the key. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I was thinking like um, the question that might come and, and I kind of had this question as well um, at some points is like, well, how is that different from, you know, I know, I know the world's messed up. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not naive about that. So how is it different to like feel grief? And I think for me, like I've always felt angry, but sometimes that's just been like, right, I must do something or like, I don't know what to do, but I just feel angry. But there's something about the process of even just admitting, I actually feel really sad that I'm living in a world mm. where, you know, the, um, the vast majority of people <clears throat> don't you know it, it life is not fair for the vast majority mm -hmm. of people you know loads mm -hmm. of people live in absolute poverty and they mm -hmm. do need to be that way but it is now I feel we I actually feel really sad about that mm -hmm. and and just kind of touching into that and saying like there is a massive well of sadness underneath all this mm -hmm. trying to take action yes something about that is really liberating and actually quite hard to explain <laughs> Yeah. And I actually love to speak to that for a second because I think that's such a crucial point. Like I think that um, a lot of us, again, like kind of in the US and England or whatever, are trained to deal with pain through doing, you know, and through sort of being busy and taking action immediately. Um, like when somebody comes to us with a problem and we try and sort of solve it for them really quickly or something rather than be with the discomfort. Um, and I see that a lot in terms of like activism, basically, like just that um, we want to sort of jump to a problem solving sort of solution thing very quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and feeling that anger and stuff is like a safer emotion. Like this is wrong. This is bad. I'm going to do this. And I'm, you know, when I look around at everything that's happening, I feel like we need new approaches to 
transformation. I think these are emerging now, but like, I think something about being really present with our pain and with the kind of vulnerability of like not always knowing and being willing to go through like a period of not knowing together um, and not just like, and also, you know, at different times with different people go through these periods of not knowing together and just being with the vulnerability of that. Like, I feel like um, that's a place of like really fertile richness for transformation that is a different kind to some of the stuff that we've known already that hasn't been like quote unquote working or whatever. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about like how we do like grieving in, in, in the sort of traditional sense. Say in the say you're, we didn't say this safe, but Sophie, you're from the UK and so am I. Mm-hmm. So we can sort of maybe have some shared experience about how we we tend to do like people dying, for example, mm-hmm. and like it, it, you know, obviously that varies a bit. But our kind of rituals around death tend to be like the least elaborate of our lives, and mm. the, the, tends to be the least space in them when I think mm-hmm. about kind of funerals that I've been to and stuff like sometimes there's an element of celebration and, and mourning and it goes on for a bit and there might be a bit of a like party-ish uh, party but you know mm-hmm. like social time afterwards but they're, mm-hmm. they're very they're quite sort of short and they can be quite sort of kind of not I don't know they, they can be quite sort of restrained right yeah think about it you know like we don't give that much space it's like we're trying to pretend it doesn't happen (laughs) totally and I think I think that's exactly it right it's trying to pretend it's not happening and I think it's that you know our cultures in general like have this a huge discomfort with death Mm. um and with and with grieving and I think there's something yeah in those that there's a discomfort with mystery too like with not knowing Mm. Um, because we don't have like certainty around death you know it's kind of the great mystery or whatever it's just like um, and we really like things that seem clearer and more absolute and this is scientifically proven blah 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 when actually there's so much that humans have no conception of and don't understand and we're learning together Um, Mm. and so I think there's something about that learning to be uncomfortable learning to be in mystery and accepting we don't know everything that can kind of facilitate being willing to be in those like grief spaces or being truly present with what is. Mm. It makes me want to ask you, Ziada, about like, I know a bit about it, about mm. what happens in Tanzania around mm. sort of death and stuff, but it's, it, I think it's quite, in, it's an interesting like contrast maybe <laughs> I don't know what's your like what's your perspective on what we're saying and like how it relates to your experience around what people do when people die and stuff um to be quite honest I don't I'm not quite sure if even people are allowed to grieve around here mm. um yeah I guess I, I suppose that is from my own personal experience I can speak for, uh, for everyone but yeah it, it it's almost that's how it feels like so you're not really given that time um to to grieve you know when it comes to funerals here it's it's a communal thing you're constantly around people so even that the whole grieving um experience you you don't really get to have it and you know until everyone 
leaves then you're all alone and you have to go through that process yeah so for me it's not you're not really given that time to you know to grieve on your own or grieve with around with people or have someone to talk to so they can take you through that process i was just going to take like just add something to what you said just to explain like um that when someone dies in Tanzania, like everyone will come to your house right or your home yeah like everyone like everyone that vaguely knows you every like (laughs) and everybody will like take off work your neighbor (laughs) so they'll be there so there's that sense of like people around in a very different way than what my experience of these things in the uk is but Mm. it's, it's really interesting what you're saying that although they're there there's also the sense of when they go then that's when it hits you exactly so that's when it hits you and then by that time no one is really talking to you about it and you have to sort of move on with life and you know and expected you know you you get over it somehow somewhere along the line Mm. so uh, yeah so personally I just feel like you're not really given that that moment to grieve interesting I I was thinking about how how that relates to what we've been saying around how we grieve other things because obviously they are like different like death is different in some ways from grieving kind of these patterns or issues in our cultures that we that we are so frustrated about but that we that we feel so much pain and sadness about but I was thinking like there are different threads from what we've been sharing about how we tend not to like face up to grief in a way that helps us to move through it or something I don't know what your perspective on that is Sophie but that's what was coming up for me as we were talking there Mm. can you say that last bit again about yeah yeah I can it was just that I what what the the thing that was coming together for me for me from all the things we said was that we're we're not in the there, there are different ways of approaching grieving but we're generally not in the habit of like just being with it and moving yeah. through it mm-hmm. like we're in the habit of either like making it like as sort of like um simplifying it and making it as uh, in a smaller place as possible like in the example we were giving of what happens in the UK or like mm-hmm. in Tanzania what's the other was showing it's like it's people are there the whole thing is there but there's sort of like she's talking about it sounds like a a lack of actually really going into the emotion mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's sort of like there's lots of people so you don't have to think about it and then when they're gone mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. totally yeah and I think it's interesting I think it like is showing something just about the richness of the topic of grief right and just like that we have this one word for it but mm-hmm. actually it's this hugely multifaceted thing mm-hmm. you know and just like and um, I think we're most familiar with it in the context of like when a loved one dies or whatever and just thinking about those different waves of things that come and the kind of grieving you can only do by yourself crying in bed or whatever. And the kind of grieving that you can do at like a formal thing, kind of like a, you know, funeral or everyone being in your house or whatever. And then the kind that is really sharing stories with someone else that knew them well or something, you know, and just like, um, or going to a beautiful place that you shared together or just whatever, just like um, there's these different types of grief and of like necessary processing or whatever um to feel it and move through it and I think the same is true for those um society or sort of cultural wounds um that we're experiencing and 
it's it looks a lot of different ways you know and it's just becoming more comfortable with having different containers for it like formal containers where you're like in a group thing doing this or just like sharing with a friend yeah I really feel this way about this or um making that pain more present and visible um rather than suppressed um so that it's not just running the show in the background but it's having its sort of multifaceted expression where it needs it yeah that's, that's kind of what comes about yeah i love that and I, and it makes me think about okay well what what does this what do those kinds of um things look like if we talk about like if we go back to the the, the money example that you gave in the beginning and of course so many issues are interrelated so you wouldn't actually necessarily separate them out but i was thinking about the the money the example you gave around sort of money as as thought of as a personal issue and then thinking about it as a collective issue around how our societies run and capitalism and and mm -hmm. and all the structures of that like what do you think might grieving that in a kind of ritual or group sense what what kind of thing might that look like and you don't have to have an answer i'm just intrigued mm -hmm. yeah well i've i've done things like that you know like I, i've done it's funny i was with a specific group of um sort of friends and people in this work um we've done things like that and like i was saying before like i feel like we're babies and that there are obviously teachers in this work but i feel like part of it is discovering what is it to grieve this at this moment right now you know coming from the level of kind of um alienation disconnection and kind of disconnection from grief specifically what is it like to start practicing grief collectively and then also in this specific cultural and historical moment with all its own issues and problems what is it to do it and so I feel like um yeah, there are different ritual forms of like making space for it or having grief altars or different things. Um, but I feel like it is a process of sort of experimentation. Like, what is it like when we do this? If we get together and do this kind of ritual, what did we learn? What do we feel? Mm. Um, and just constantly being open to discovery, to getting more and more intimate with the moment that we're in, basically, mm. through, um, through ritual and experimentation. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking about this last week in relation to like, or, you know, in an, say in an organisation where you discover that things have gone wrong or that these stories of sexual abuse that were coming out in, in development charities. I was thinking about like, what would it look like to support people working in those organisations who feel grief about those mm -hmm. things? Mm -hmm. like, what would that actually look like? And I was actually, I was also thinking of like, you know, you, you maybe you do have, you, you know, you call a circle of people in a room and you... And you invite people to just express, you know, one mm -hmm. by one or when, whoever, want, who, whoever chooses to, what that looks like. And you kind of collect some of those things in some way and, 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 you know, reflect on them together. I don't know. And then maybe yeah. some sort of, you know, ritual of singing or, or creative work or, so, I don't know. Some, yeah. It's like expression, isn't it? Because that's totally. what's lacking. It's like ex it's expression. Yeah, yeah. And I like see like I feel like you did just, you know, basically describe like a grief ritual that you could do with people, you know, with those yeah. people like and I think there is like say with what's happening kind of in your industry right now, or just like in um with the Oxfam thing and everything, just like the having a place where people can share their sort of real feelings and maybe like taboo feelings about it, um, and hear each other. I think there's something in hearing each other 
that often allows us to both connect with our own feelings and then also kind of move through them you know it's not just this thing that's existing in our heads or whatever um, and I think like you were saying about something like maybe it ends in song or something where we kind of bring it together and just like feel our connection and not not just oh let's dig everything up and then leave people in the abyss or whatever but just like you know let's like talk about everything and then like move through that to a place of um connection and going forward together and um yeah so I do I do believe in you know I believe in experimentation and exploring different ritual forms and then also some degree of like ritual safety and a container that brings people to um some resolution or grounding at, at the end of it yeah um should the grieving be a, a, a one person uh, process or is it like other people should be involved um, or it really depends with um an individual yeah i think it i think that's a great question because i think it can be both of those things are helpful you know like i think when sometimes when somebody's having a really hard time um, that there might be these unexplored areas of grief in them or um, something that's manifesting as depression or whatever, just something. And having a circle of people really focused on that one person, you know, can be really powerful. And then being really seen and heard and held in their pain specifically um, can be really transformative. And then for other things, really being in it together and realizing what a collective experience it is and really um, sharing that time and space can be really transformative, you know? So I think, um, I think both have their place, you know, and it's that thing of making it more normal that we just do this kind of thing more and therefore we can do different forms, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's this, this one-off thing. Yeah. I have this feeling when we talk about it, that even when we talk about the, the, the um, processes that we have in our different, in our different backgrounds around the kinds of grief we're more familiar with, that, that our ancestors or whoever created some mm. of those things had some good ideas because some of them have come down to us in ways through the things we still do, but that what we are saying mm. is like we can use them in, um, in different ways to, to, to grieve things that aren't so obviously, you know, like a, like a death or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And that would probably relate to like the end of relationship as well as these things in our wider mm -hmm. culture, right? Things that we don't normally hold a, a space or a sort of ceremony for. I know when I, um, after I got divorced from my first husband, I had like, I did have like um, a kind of gathering of women that were in my life where I kind of had this thing where I just talked about letting go of this whole dynamic and this whole relationship and stuff. And that was massively helpful for me, mm -hmm. you know? again it's not something that necessarily happens so I think like it, it, it there's all different levels at which we you know can benefit from like having a space ritual way of like feeling our sadness and our pain and like moving through it in some way so mm -hmm. yeah yeah I love that I love that you did that I think it's true that it's just that there's so many things that just um would be helpful for us to be sort of witnessed in you know in, in transitions like that or in losses mm. um and I think so that we don't feel so sort of isolated or so sort of bitterness doesn't develop or cynicism you know just actually being able to have like flowing emotion around those things and yeah. community holding it like it's so interesting to me how we could begin to think of using what we already know somewhere back in our in our in our lines and in our in our experiences of how we already mm. deal with some kinds of grief and use those 
to show up in different ways to 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 the issues that really concern us and to express mm. our feelings about them and 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 I do believe that though I don't know exactly what will happen if we do that that somewhere in there there'll be some potent um new ideas for how we can address some of the some of the mess the world's in so mm. mm-hmm. yeah I'm re- yeah I think this is a real really potent and slightly unknown <laughs> and I like that yeah. No, I think I've, I've loved this conversation. I'm so grateful for you both creating the space um, to talk about this. Like this is something I really believe can be so transformative for us in our, mm. uh, in our work, in our world. And just, yeah, it's just really beautiful to be able to share these, um, okay. share these topics with you both. Yeah. So uh, we get to ask a question that I love so much um, to all our guests. So when you're not working, how do you take care of yourself? Okay, so um, I think for me, there's two big things that immediately kind of come to mind. And one is being in nature mm-hmm. um, and just spending as much time as possible with plants and rocks and just being and the water. Um, and I find that like anchoring in something outside of a lot of our sort of cultural constructs to be really um, important for me in terms of just feeling grounded and the sense of well-being and then also um is in my relationships with people just like being really vulnerable and kind of willing to be myself and sort of have myself be um to, to sort of to be transparent and honest about what's going on with me and stuff and just like I find that constantly being actively sort of intimate with people you know and actually being a whole person is what makes me feel uh grounded cared for sense of connection and so I think yeah realness in my relationships is how I care for myself where can people find you um if they're interested in your work and what you're up to yeah so sweet so they can find me on my website which is uh, feministabundance.com mm-hmm. and then also on instagram um which is at sophie a macklin mm-hmm. um and then also facebook people could find me at sophie macklin mm-hmm. um which is where i share some of my writing um yeah they're the places you can find me cool and what in what kind of ways are you working with people right now it's, it's actually going through like a big um transition so kind of watch this space there'll be some stuff coming up in the next month or two that's a bit different to some of the stuff i've been offering so far but um at the moment, if people want to work with me sort of with one-off sessions and stuff, that's available on my site. Cool. Um, but yeah, there'll be some more stuff coming really soon. Cool. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. It's been so good to talk to you this evening. Um, Absolutely. Miles, and yeah, we wish you all the best for your work and yes. talking about this. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It's been really, really wonderful talking with you. Bye. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, bye-bye. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com.